Novel Magics, Chapter 4, The Athenaeum, Two Days Ago Greg wanted to flee the burning Athenaeum, but his body refused to cooperate. It felt like the softer bits of his body had been violently smacked against his skeleton. Thinking and moving were very difficult. The product of many mosh pits, Greg's response to pain was what any aging punk rockers would be. Look for the nearest Tylenol, and take a nap. Not an option when the room in which one is laying happens to be on fire. Greg opened his eyes, the floor rocking back and forth like the deck of a great ship. Around him, the fire grew. Heat and smoke filled his eyes and lungs, searing all of the soft places. And behind it all, the sound of thousands of tomes turning into ash. Each crackle and snap, each sound of a scorched tome hitting the hard concrete floor, was a keening death bell. He knew he had to follow the other patrons to get out into the relative safety of the old town night, but honestly, he didn't want to. His tome was nearly empty, and the one thing he had tried to do, to help save the Athenaeum from the fire he had foreseen, had failed. His own actions had, in fact, caused it. Tears of rage and grief Hotter than the surrounding fire filled his eyes, stinging as they mingled with the ash on his face. Then he felt hands under his armpits. Greg wasn't in a position to turn and see who it was, but they pulled him like a sack of meat across the floor. Greg felt something, a piece of his shirt maybe or his pants, catch on the floor, bringing their movement to a sudden, jarring stop. The person dragging Greg made a noise somewhere between rage and terror, pulling harder until Greg felt something tear apart, slipping across his chest and back. The dragging suddenly continued, and Greg could feel the quality of the air changing. Slowly, so slowly it hurt, Greg felt the cool, damp air of the night begin to fill his lungs. Huge, stinging raindrops hit him from all angles, instantly drenching his body, the sudden change in temperature sending shivers from his guts out to the tips of his fingers and toes. Once again, he tried opening his eyes, and this time was successful. Kneeling over him was the gutter punk kid, the one who had used his tome to pull the knife out of Sarah's leg. He was kneeling over Greg, his tome open and exposed to the rain. Keep that thing out of the rain, Greg croaked, panic in his voice his right hand shooting out to slam the tome shut. The force of Greg's jerky, uncoordinated movement almost made the kid drop the tome right into the street, but he somehow managed to catch it and, under Greg's half-blinded glare, put it safely into his backpack. Greg noticed the way the kid was looking at him, with an expression of anger and confusion. Next time I just won't try to save you then, huh? the kid said. Don't be stupid, Greg responded, forcing himself to sit up, feeling his shirt and pants chafe against his cold, wet body. Look at the Athenaeum. Do you realize what this burning means? He asked the kid. The gutter punk stared blankly for a moment, but then his eyes widened with shocked realization. Slowly, he turned to look at the Athenaeum. Yes, Greg said. No more tomes, 
yours is now one of the last. Letting it get ruined by rain is one of the more idiotic ways to destroy it. Now, help me stand up. Leaning heavily on the kid, Greg was able to get his feet underneath him. There is something about watching a fire consume a building that is at once hypnotizing and horrifying. The way it grows as the things around it diminish. The dissonance of something lighter than air consuming solid chunks of concrete, stone, glass, lumber, sucking the shape and color out of them like hard candies in a mouth. The pair stood for a minute, just soaking in the sight of the burning building as the rain soaked into their clothes and skin and washed the ash off their bodies. How long until anyone calls the fire department, do you think? Greg asked. The kid shrugged. Around here? Hours, at least. Greg nodded. He knew that. He had grown up here and understood the desire of the locals to keep to themselves. The rest of the city had all but abandoned them to the squalor and stagnation of Old Town, so Old Town had, in turn, grown more insular over the decades. Still, he had hoped that the burning of the freaking Athenaeum would at least draw the attention of someone. Thanks, Greg said, after another minute of staring. No problem, the kid replied. I would have had you out sooner if it wasn't for that damn bag of yours. This made Greg freeze. He hadn't noticed, but his satchel was gone. The comforting weight of his tome, his last fifty disruptions, gone. He took a jerky step forward, towards the inferno that glowed through the ragged hole of the Athenaeum's front wall. The jagged glass that rimmed the top and bottom of what had been the display window glowed red in the fire as a plume of thick smoke emerged like a black tongue. It made the building look for an instant like a bloody mouth of something that had eaten and yet still hungered. You're not going back in there, the kid said. I have to. My tome is all I have left, Greg said, hardly aware that he had spoken at all. All Greg could think of was getting to his tome, getting it out of harm's way. Thoughts of what life would be like without it filled his mind like smoke, curling into the corners of his skull, so thick everything else was smothered in a sooty darkness. He took another juddering step forward, knees wobbling with fatigue. The gutter punk grabbed his arm, trying to hold Greg in place, but Greg yanked his arm free, running, shambling and limping towards the gaping mouth of the Athenaeum. Once inside, the heat and smoke forced Greg onto his hands and knees. He couldn't see, couldn't hear except for the hungry, growling crackle of the fire. He crawled forward, slivers of glass and concrete slicing into his palms as he rooted through the rubble like a blind animal, following an unnamed instinct towards the object that controlled his body by filling his mind and soul. His fingers curled around the top of his bag, its leather so hot to his touch it nearly felt like a living thing. The fire hadn't reached it, thankfully, so he pulled it towards himself like a father protecting his child. Inside, he could feel the bulk of the tome, its hard, familiar corners poking into his chest. Greg tried to open his eyes, to look for a way back out into the cool, rainy night, but for the second time that day, 
found himself blinded by smoke. Whatever had possessed him, had given him the strength to scramble back into this inferno for his tome, was gone. Greg had fully collapsed on the floor without feeling it, a coughing fit racking his body, chest tightening, the air too hot, too polluted with the soot of dead tomes to inhale. In desperation, he opened his own satchel, dragging out and flipping open his own tome. If there was a way out, it could show him. It was not a good plan, but it was all he could think of doing. Keeping his head as low as possible and trying to work through the body-shaking coughs, Greg started to read one of his last disruptions. Starting was difficult. He could only see by squinting through his left eye, and the disruptions kept getting stuck in his throat, the smoke strangling him from inside every time he inhaled. After an eternity, however, Greg managed to stumble his way through a disruption, the words finally clear enough to be heard by whatever power there was left in his tome. The future unfolded in front of Greg like a flower exposing its petals. Held within each petal was a different future. Those which happened to be more certain appeared as images nearly solid as Greg himself. Those less likely, meanwhile, were quavering mirages that danced like heat devils in the distance. Most of the future's petals held the image of his charred corpse in different positions, some within inches of the safety of the rain. As he lay there, watching the certainty of his death grow more solid in the fold of each petal, something caught Greg's eye. It wasn't part of his disruption. Something was walking towards him, directly out of the fire. It started out vague, like a clump of ash that had merely gained the human outline, but as it got closer, however, it grew more opaque, more defined, until at last some thing stood over him. It was like a greasy black smear across a camera lens, somehow two-dimensional, and yet Greg could feel its mass towering over him. For a moment, he remembered being a very small child at the edge of a lake, looking out into all that water, all that depth, all that weight. This was the same, but shaped like a man. Greg felt tugging at his body, as if caught in a powerful current that wanted him to be pulled towards it. The thing reached out, grabbing Greg's shoulder, and lifted him as though he weighed no more than a cardboard cutout of himself. It placed him on his feet in the same delicate way one might place a very small, particularly stupid dog. The creature pointed at Greg, who was too shocked to do anything but blink. Then it turned and pointed to its left. The smoke in that direction cleared into a perfectly circular passage, as though pushed back by a clear glass tube. Greg's gaze followed the creature's finger, expecting to see a way out into the rain in the dark, but saw only one of the Athenaeum's walls. Its bookshelves were blackened, scorched by fire with piles of ash where organized tomes had once been. Greg saw one tome, however, that had not been burned. It stood in the middle of the ash pile, somehow upright like a grave marker for its fallen brethren. The creature looked at Greg, 
its blank face bearing down into his until he got the message. It wanted him to go and grab the tome. There was no hesitation. Greg did as it told him. He didn't know what the creature was or what it wanted or why it was helping him, but if he had the chance to save even one of the tomes, he would. He ran down the now smoke-free tube of clean air and grabbed for it. White-hot pain exploded on his hand, and Greg reared back, clutching the hurt limb to his body. He watched in terror as his skin grew blistered and red, bubbling and melting like wax before his eyes. What the hell? Greg moaned through gritted teeth, glaring at the smudge of a creature. The thing just stared back and continued to point at the tome. I can't grab it, Greg said. It's too hot. A sound filled Greg's ears. Hundreds of thousands of screams from all around him. Greg listened, terrified that there might be other people in here, trapped in the blaze with no hope of escape, but as he listened, a cold realization filled his mind. It was not a realization he had on his own, however. No, he could feel the idea slipping into his brain, searing like a cold icicle from somewhere, melting and sending the idea into all corners of his mind at once. The sound was the tomes, literally screaming as they burned. Were they? They couldn't actually be alive. He had to get the screaming out of his head. It was loud, loud, just too loud, and as though his eyes and brain were swelling in size, his skull filled with the noise. Again, the curling smoke filled Greg's head as he reached his hand through the heat, grabbing the tome and lifting it off of the shelves. Greg stumbled back, his own screaming now the only sound he was aware of. The others had blessedly gone, the inside of his mind quiet save for the pain. Greg automatically put the tome in his satchel, slipping it next to his own. He walked back to the charcoal creature, which gave a single nod of approval, before pointing in a different direction. And again, the smoke cleared to reveal a tome, this one on the floor. No, Greg said, his voice cracking with pain and fatigue. I already got one. Just show me the way out. Please. Greg's voice broke as he pleaded with the thing. He couldn't bear to look at his hand again, to see the still bubbling flesh. The creature grew, not only in size, but in presence. The feeling of being pulled towards it buffeted Greg until he could barely stand. Another thought invaded his mind, spreading everywhere at once so suddenly it took his breath away. Show your dedication, the thought said. Prove your worth. The screaming of the tomes began to fill his head again, starting out as a distant, tinny sound, but growing louder every second. Fuck, Greg moaned, and ran towards the new tome. Again, the smoke of pain and screams filled his mind. Again, he could feel his body moving by some strange instinct. The more he fought or hesitated, the harder it pressed against his skull, squeezing his brain down to the size of a quarter as it forced him to rescue the tome. 
His vision was blurred as he put the thing into his satchel, the screaming and pain disappearing from his mind as soon as it was next to the other tomes. Greg didn't remember coming back to the creature, or falling to his knees in front of it, and was again a very small child, looking out at something too vast to fit into his tiny reckoning. It nodded again, and pointed in yet another direction. Things became hazy for Greg after that. His life was bouts of intense pain mixed with disembodied screaming that bled into stumbling forward on weaker and weaker legs. His body did not feel like his own and his mind, or at least the higher functioning part of it, checked out in the interest of self-preservation. Only his lizard brain's desire to escape torment kept Greg moving forward. At last, his satchel was filled to the point that the seams looked like they would pop, the shoulder strap long broken under the weight, forcing Greg to hold it like an ornery child in his bloodied, half-cooked arms. Again the charcoal creature pointed, and again Greg stumbled forward. This time, however, the sounds of the fire receded behind him as he walked not towards another tome, but down a hallway. Gently curving walls guided him deeper into the Athenaeum stacks. Despite its blocky outward appearance that often made Greg think of a child's first sandcastle, the inside of the Athenaeum was a series of smooth, rounded curves. The hallways looped in on each other, each room a doorless circle that led seamlessly into the next curving hallway. Someone once described it to him as an architectural amorphous solid, because rather than latticed into a grid like any building that would have been built by humans, the Athenaeum was more like a series of bubbles that had grown naturally out of the ground. For a reason that he could not understand, this made Greg nauseous as he walked down the long hallway. At last, the creature stopped in one of the rooms hovering in the exact center. Greg looked around and saw that there were no tomes shelved here. There was also no way out. The hallway they had come through was gone. Fatigue rushed through his body like the coming of a tide, and he felt his body sag, a balloon suddenly deflating. The charcoal creature was looking at him, its featureless face once again bearing down into his eyes. Well done. The thought was all Greg could feel as blackness filled his vision and consciousness mercifully left his body. Hello, this is the author. It's been some time, so consider this a mini-update. I've been busy experimenting with new ideas, getting a new recording setup going, and otherwise creating new content for this podcast. The episode you just listened to is the first of ten chapters, written over the past six weeks. New episodes will be uploaded the first Sunday of every month. Let me know how they sound. If you are enjoying the story so far, and would like to help this podcast grow, please consider sharing it with someone who'd like it. You can keep up with new episodes on the website, novelmagicspodcast.com. 
Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next time. Stay safe out there. Novel Magics is an original story written, recorded, and produced by Michael Austis.